Welcome to Generations Church. We are going through the book of Hebrews, and today things have transitioned from theology, the glorious things of Christ, Christology, how he's so much better than everything else preceding him and following him. Today we transition to our responsibility. In light of his greatness, how should we live? And so reading our text today, beginning at verse 16, is James Earl Jones. Hebrews chapter 10. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy unto two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days, in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Partly, whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly, whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. For yet a little while, he that shall come will come and not tarry. He's looking forward to that day. Last Sunday we talked about Christ's better covenant, specifically his sacrifice. We saw that the old covenant was conditional based upon what we do, and the new covenant is unconditional based upon what he has done. It is finished. And when he said it, he included me and you. 
before the old covenant had, the ink had dried on the pages, as it were, before the dust had settled from the chipping of the stones by the finger of God, before Moses got back to his tent, the stone tablets, thousands of years ago, lay busted at the foot of the mountain. When Moses read the pages of the covenant in the scroll, they said, we will do it, but they couldn't last till the end of the week. Why? Am I putting down the people of the first covenant? No. They're humans. We are imperfect. And the covenant was given in perfection. But in so doing, it revealed our imperfection. You know, if you're building a house and you want it to be square, you use tools like levels, plumb lines, squares. Not to make your house square, level, or plumb, but to reveal the need thereof. And in light of that, you need a carpenter to straighten things out, right? You need a stonemason to, to make the repairs. That's our Lord Jesus. The law is a tool to reveal our need for a Savior. So the Old Covenant is based on if you do, and it just revealed ongoing disobedience, and it involved sacrificial workings to remedy your sinful state, there had to be a sacrifice. An animal, innocent animal's blood had to be shed. Life would be given to atone for your sins, to roll it on, as Greg so ably shared last Sunday, to roll it on till the ultimate atonement came in the Lord Jesus Christ, who brought redemption. Removal is better than cover-up, right? Removal is better than pushing forward, who's ever shoveled snow? whole lot better to remove the snow from the sidewalk than to keep shoving it forward with your shovel. It gets to be impossible. It involved a continual reminding. Every year you're reminded in holiday form and in priestly ministry that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. And it led ultimately to condemnation. But the new covenant, which is based on what Christ has done, based on his perfect obedience, he never sinned, his finished work, it is done once and for all, and his ongoing intercession. He ever lives at the right hand of the Father. This is what the Bible says. I don't understand it. I don't know what it looks like. But he ever lives to represent us before the Father. Isn't he God? Yes, he is God, but he's also man. So the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, ever lives to be our advocate, to be our intercessor, to plead our case. And this results in reconciliation. Isn't that beautiful? Sometimes the church falls prey to just preaching pep talks. Who needs encouragement? We all do. The keys to victory, the keys to this, the keys to that, that's important. But we have to remember our salvation is not based on those things. It's on what Christ has done. Ms. Booth said, Catherine Booth, one of the founders of the Salvation Army, she said, the old covenant was external. It failed at externally motivating us. But the new covenant inspires us internally. 
it's because I'm loved, because I'm cared for, I want to live a life that honors him. And he doesn't just stop there, but he gives his Holy Spirit, as Jeff shared earlier, the helper to help us, to bring us to repentance when we need, when we get off the track. And of course, we have the people, the presence and power of God, the principles and word of God, and the people of God. We're called to help each other. All right, let's look at our text right quick. We're going to stop at verse 31, although James read further on. He's quoting from Jeremiah 31, which is a prophecy. This is the covenant. What is the covenant? The new covenant that was promised to the people of the first covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's better than forgetting. That's a decision to not remember. You ever forgotten something and then you remembered it? Right? Forgetting involves weakness. Aging. You ever had a senior moment? Anybody here over 50? Open the fridge and it's like, okay, why am I here for? As if your stomach forgot. But he chooses to not remember our sins. Now, where there is remission of these, or forgiveness or removal of our sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. When God has chosen to not remember your wrongdoing, my misdeed, there's no longer a need for a sacrifice because Christ has paid it all, and therefore he's worthy of it all. Therefore, brethren, because of what I just said, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, the work that was accomplished in Christ's sacrifice on the cross, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. So the last part of verse 19 to verse 22 is a parenthetical statement. So you could say, therefore, brethren, let us draw near. Therefore, brethren, based on the fact that we have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. There's two things we have. We now have boldness to enter into the holiest of holies, a place in earth that was representing a place in heaven where an appointed man could only go once a year for the atonement of the sins of the people. But now we are all priests because we have a great high priest who's made a way for us to go into the holy of holies in heaven through the Holy Spirit by the new and living way that he made for us. When he said it is finished, those three words rocked history before and after, and continues to rock the world as people come to faith in the finished work of Jesus. And he did this through the veil, through the curtain that was torn. That is his flesh, the body of Jesus. And now, another thing we have in verse 21, we have a high priest. So we have a new and living way 
and we have a new high priest over the house of God. So because of those, here's what we are to do. Let us draw near. Can we say nearness? With a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What is that? That's the work of the Spirit of God applying the finished work to your life and the work of the Word of God. We are cleansed by the washing of water by the Word. And yes, it points to water baptism, but it doesn't, it's not saying to get baptized in water over and over again, but it points to those things. But the Word of God, who knows, points to a whole lot more than water baptism, right? And so the Word of God will bring cleansing to us, to our life, if we will draw near to the Lord. And we do that in worship. You're worthy of it all. We draw near to him. There's a nearness to God available to the child of God that many times we don't pursue daily. And it's a daily benefit. Bless the Lord, O my soul, David said, and forget not all of his benefits. There's a benefit of being near to God. It's a life-changing benefit. It's an encouraging benefit. It's a health-giving benefit. It's a burden-lifting benefit. Because you realize I'm not alone. God is on my side. I'm drawing near to him today. So let us draw near. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So what is the confession of our hope? It's the things we believe. It's the word of God. It's the promises of God. It's the principles of God. It's the gospel that gives me and you hope. And we are to hold fast to those things. So let us draw near, let us hold fast. And verse 24, and let us consider one another. Why? In order to stir up love and good works. We're to encourage each other. And how do we do that? Certainly not by forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. But here's how we do it. But exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. What is exhorting? It's calling up to a higher walk. It can be challenging. It's not rebuking. I mean, there's a place for a rebuke. If someone's continuing to sin against others, you've got to tell them to stop. Right? Sometimes we parallel the word rebuke with devils. I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. And then, I rebuke you, stop stepping on my toes. I rebuke you, stop spending my money. To rebuke means to tell to stop, right? So when you rebuke the enemy or an evil spirit, you're telling them to stop their works in the name or under the authority of Jesus, right? So, if, if I'm doing something wrong, I need somebody to tell me to stop if I don't. The Lord will rebuke you. The Word will rebuke you. But sometimes it takes God's people to rebuke you. So we have in these three kinds of lettuce, <laughs> the presence of God, the principles of God, and the people of God. Why is this important? 
because we don't want verse 26 to go in operation. For if we sin willfully, most translations say, if we continue living in sin, if we continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Peter wrote in one of his letters, God's judgment begins at his house. Judgment begins at the house of God. So if we see a brother or a sister living in sin, we have to go to them in love and speak to them. And I've known some Christians turn it away and refuse. And they're continuing to live a life of rebellion. And it leads to consequences. It just does. So this is why it's important to have these three kinds of lettuce in operation in our life. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Let us consider one another. It's not let us consider me no, let us consider one another. It's something we're to do. Have you ever felt someone wasn't considerate towards you? It hurts, doesn't it? But at that point, you have a choice to make. Am I going to be offended and blow up like a toad and just have an attitude? Or am I going to search my own heart and say, Lord, where have I been inconsiderate? And he is faithful to show you. Today, I'd like to speak to you on preeminent priorities. Going with alliteration of the letter P, we could have gone prominent priorities or paramount priorities. These three things are very important. The presence of God, the principles of God, and the people of God. If you do not have those functioning in your life daily, weekly, monthly, often, you're not going to grow spiritually. And you may continue a life of sin. And these priorities are for us. Tell your neighbor, for me. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, so we have boldness and we have a high priest, now let's move forward with our lives. Let us draw near with a true heart, true devotion. When we sing, you're worthy of it all, we're drawing near to him if our hearts are in it. Is he really worthy of it all, or is it just a song we're performing or wanting to sing in a nice way to get some type of religious buzz? Is he really worthy? If he is in your life, you're drawing near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is encountering God's presence. 
we say presence. Because we have a new and living way to go to the, with boldly to the Holy of Holies, and there we have a high priest, let's go to him. I know we run to him when we got a problem, but why not we go to him with those things that we think we can handle? You know, if I just had a little more time, then I, I could do it. But we, we need to run to him often. Oh, what grace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. Prominent priorities for us. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. What has God promised in his word that's clearly his word to you? Now, Jesus told someone one day, go to such a, such a house and there'll be a donkey there and get it and untie him. And if they ask where you're going, tell them the master has need of it and he'll let you have it. That is God's word for that person, not for you. You try that, you'll be arrested for horse thieving or donkey stealing, right? So you got to rightly divide the word, read the context, read the scripture. If this is a principle for me to live by, or is it part of the narrative of the story that provide the backdrop to the diamond of the gospel? Why? Because he who promised is faithful. Because he's promised, we need to hold on to our faith. This is why we must be reminded of what his word says. This is his principles. Can we say principles? So we have worship and the word. Now we have the warfare. <laughs> Let us consider one another. Can we say consider? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now, some folks consider each other in order to share some hurtful gossip. That's not stirring up love. That's stirring up division, stirring up bitterness, not stirring up good works at all, right? So you get into a conversation and somebody's saying, I can't believe, and I can't believe that, I can't believe this. Get away from it. That is not stirring up love. You've got to guard your heart. When the time's right, say, we need to stop this. That's, that's rebuking it. This is his people. Can we say people? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, folks, we've been going through Hebrews for weeks. I've even had some guest speakers. But you came on a day, you won the lottery, to be reminded to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Are you assembling with other believers? Let that sink in. Now, this is more than coming to church. It's important to come to church. Actually, you don't come to church. You come to assembly, right? We are the church. 
I love my watch. It's solar powered. Occasionally it speeds up. I got to watch it. Occasionally it slows down. I got to watch it. You know, like in a week I look at it, wait a minute, it's two minutes behind or two minutes ahead. I adjust it, but it's, it's a great watch. I could leave it in a drawer for a couple of weeks and it'll still be working. Solar powered. No more need for batteries. You know, they also have another kind of watch that doesn't need batteries. It has a spring that you wind up every day or so. Tension powered. Isn't that amazing? But these great timepieces on our witch, on our witch, on our wrist. Got watch and wrist combined, rich. They're assembled, right? Now you could take these things apart. Don't Google it. I don't know how many parts it is. It's dozens, hundreds, no doubt. And put the parts to the watch in the bag. And you would have a watch gathered, would you not? But you'd have the pieces of a watch gathered, right? But it's not till it's assembled. This is a timely word for somebody. When it's assembled, that it works and takes time. You got the point? Have you found your place in the body? Have you gone from church to church to church because you just feel like you don't fit and you've given up because you haven't found the right church? I say if that's the case, go find the wrong church. Have you checked out every single church in your area, every single congregation? Sir, as I join a church, it'll become imperfect anyway if I found a perfect one, right? <laughs> Find one and go there regularly. If you discover they're not preaching the Bible, there's one church in town actually preaching against the Bible, get out of there. Go find one that's preached the word and just be committed there. But that it's more than that. Assembling is meeting regularly with believers where you can stir up love and good works, where your love can be stirred up and your good works can be stirred up. But if you're not assembling together, well, I don't believe in organized religion. Well, we're not very organized. <laughs> if you're looking for disorganized religion... Did you hear about two guys were fishing and they didn't catch anything? And they both agreed, yes, we should have gone to church. And one of them said, well, I can't. Well, why couldn't you? I couldn't go to church today. Why? My wife is sick. Somebody, it'll sink in. I can go fishing, but I can't go to church because my wife is sick. All right, never mind. As is the matter of some, there is the some that we don't want to be part of, right? But this is, this is more than once a week observance. This is, this is Christian community. This is breaking bread together. This is having breakfast with somebody and encouraging them. This is being inconvenienced for the love of someone else. 
in order to stir up love and good works, sometimes you must be inconvenienced. And we do not like inconvenience, but we're called because he laid down his life for us. We're called to lay down our life for one another. If you read the New Testament, there's dozens of one another's in the Bible. Love one another. Bear with one another. Help carry one another's burdens. Don't be unforgiving toward one another. Have mercy on one another. Encourage one another. I could go on. You get the point. But some folks, they don't get it. And the rest of the chapter could be their portion. It's not good. But how do we stir up love and good works? By exhorting one another, calling one another to a higher walk. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's a judgment day coming. That's why we've got to exhort each other. That's, that's, that's where the word comes in. It tells us to confess our faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's a one another for you. Is there a fault you can't overcome? Maybe you're addicted to anger. You need to go to a brother or a sister, someone of the same gender, and confess and say, I need help. And pray, and the Lord can bring insight through another brother or sister that can help you see. Maybe the problem isn't anger. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's a lack of trust. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe you're upset at God and haven't been honest enough to admit it because who wants to be mad at God, right? You're not going to win that argument. We're to do these things the more often as the day of the Lord approaches. Now, what does this have to do with Pentecost Sunday? It has everything to do with it. We could read the first few verses of Acts 2. 9 o'clock in the morning, people are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's tongues of fire. They're speaking in languages unknown to them. And there's people from 15 and more nationalities that understand the language that are being spoken by these people from Galilee. And 3,000 folks get saved. And look what happens at the end of the chapter. Those who gladly received his word, Peter preached the gospel message, were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. How long did that take? It took a while, but not as long as you would think because they had mikvahs. There was lots of mikvahs around the temple, immersion pools where people would immerse themselves, washing for their annual feast. And these people who were baptized continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Can we say principles? And fellowship. Can we say people? And breaking of bread. Can we say people? And prayers can we say presence so there's the principles there's the people and there's the presence there's the prominent preeminent priorities and it ends with these words so continuing daily with one accord in the temple it went on beyond the day of pentecost breaking bread from house to house they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart can we say people the church grew praising god can we say presence and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So there you have the three priorities, God's presence, his principles, and his people. What does this have to do with me? Well, you have a new and living way to approach the presence of God 
and a high priest to help you in your intercession. And the Holy Spirit is available for you to receive, to be empowered, to take your needs to the Lord, to take yourself, to take your weakness. And you have the principles of God in his word, and you have people to help teach, and people you can help encourage. Some people protest and say, well, I don't, I don't need anything the church has to offer. Well, the church needs what you have to offer. Maybe you got your act together, you're walking in such wisdom, you don't need anybody. But we need you because we're a bunch of stumblers. Fumblers. We're all thumbs, and we need some fingers in the body. I think I made the point. I could go on and on. <laughs> Even the law deals with this. Of course, they couldn't keep it. But look at what the law said, Leviticus 19. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Yeah, but I'm not living under the law. Well, you're living under the New, Test New Covenant. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is that day? It's a day of judgment. You may have your act together today, but maybe you've never faced a certain temptation that's coming down the road that's going to knock you down. What are you going to do if gasoline goes to $8 a pint? We're going to hold fast, right, to the hope. This is why it's important, the answer to the question mark. For if we sin willfully after we have received a knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, the day of judgment, and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversary. This sermon is a call to go deeper in your Christian walk. Whatever level you're at, go deeper. You're in a room full of folks that can still grow in the area of considering one another. You're in a church that can still grow in the area of stirring up love and good works. But here's a video about a guy that just doesn't get it. If the shoe fits, let the hint to the wise be sufficient. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, maybe get some free grub? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, at Shallow Small Group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term, unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. And you'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth. Who wants growth? 
I had a growth removed last week. It wasn't pleasant. There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man. How's it going? Yeah, it's going good. Hey, Chief. Oh, dude. Captain, what's going on? We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? That's uh, not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. Wants cake. <laughs> and there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy, and we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial, but hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group, because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us? super, but I don't want to be super loser, right? Preeminent priorities for us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, for us to grow in love with your presence, that we would encounter you. And Lord, if there's anything blocking our worship, I pray, Lord, you'd bring us to a place of repentance, anything that would... Uh, cloud the words of our mouth as we tell the Lord we love him while we criticize his people. Help us, Lord, repent so that our praise can be pure. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would fall in love with your word, that your principles would come alive, that we would want to understand, that we would want to grow, that we wouldn't cram like cramming for an exam, that we would just enjoy the journey of reading your word. And Lord, give us questions to find the answers to. And Lord, may we grow in fellowship and considering one another, not just church attendance, but finding our place to stir up love and good works. And may we discontinue any act that could be forsaken the assimilate of ourselves together in Jesus name and Lord I pray if there's anyone here who hasn't been able to find a good church home help them Lord to find a home and a bad one in Jesus name amen amen can we just conclude the sermon by worshiping him he's worthy of it all and then uh, spend some time breaking bread amen oh, Angels, they bow before your
Today just happened to be the day, and you just happened to be here. So don't feel selected out by anyone but the Lord. Amen. Nobody called me and said, hey, guess who's coming? If the shoe fits, wear it. Man, embrace the word. Get to know the people. Don't rush off unless you have plans. Spend time with other believers, and ministry happens. It just does. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may you have love that is stirred up today. And may you be stirred up for good works today. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't rush off. Stay in fellowship with people. And if you need prayer, tell somebody, hey, I, I could use some wisdom today. God bless you. You're worthy of it all.